0: if you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and follow along with me. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen.
1: This morning we have something a little different. And I want to thank Albert and Brenda And Randy for helping me put this together. The Miracle of the Voice. In my library I have some treasures. Among those are treasures and recordings of old Voice of Prophecy broadcasts. And especially the recording of his 88th birthday, H.M.S. Richards, who they affectionately called the Chief. The keynote text today is in Acts 11:24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Those words were spoken by Luke about Barnabas, an early Christian, but those words fit another man, a modern man with unshakable faith. He was just another young preacher until the Lord laid on him the conviction of starting a radio ministry. This was in the 1920s. He was told by many of his associates, it can't work. Nobody's done that before. It couldn't possibly happen. And besides, radio is an evil thing because it advertises cigarettes and alcohol and so on. So that wouldn't be the wise thing to do. You see he thought well I can preach to my church of 100 or 200 people and if I'm invited to a larger church I might preach to 5 or 600 and then if I'm lucky I'll preach at a camp meeting where there's might be maybe, maybe 4500 people 5000 people maybe but then if I can go on the radio I could reach tens of thousands and perhaps millions that was his thought And millions it was and is today the voice of prophecy. As many of you know, HMS Sr. died a number of decades ago. Sean Boonstra has been appointed recently as Speaker Director of the Voice of Prophecy and many, many things are happening, I can assure you. If you're on the mailing list, you're getting updates on what's happening. The voice of prophecy is around this planet to every corner in this modern day. I have three parts today. The first one is an interview that I found in my library that HMS Richards gave at Pacific Union College back in 1978, where he tells of the fact that a man named Richards traveled with John Wesley in England many, many decades ago. This man was the great, great grandfather of HMS Richards, Sr. So he said one time, outside the Bible, John Wesley is his favorite evangelist. HMS traveled the world during his lifetime, and I've heard him say these words. Whenever he went to a a major city, which he did often, such as Tokyo, Japan, or Seoul, Korea, big cities with millions and millions of people, in the evening, when the lights of the city were flourishing there, he would go to the window, get on his knees, and pray for the millions of that city. He had a faith that was just seemed to be above the cut. It was said that he was a fanatic on Jesus. What a great place to be, a fanatic on Jesus. We're gonna have three sections today. I'd like to first read the interview at PUC, where he was asked many questions. It was rather lengthy interview, but I chose to read this one from the interview. This is HMS, the chief, talking. When I was in New Guinea, I talked to a heathen chieftain there. He had never heard a Christian sermon in his whole life. He had war painted on his face, a spear in his hand, and two stone tomahawks on his side. Five or six warriors were with him. He told me to preach to him. What should I do, since he didn't know anything about the Bible or about God? I told him that I had come from a far country to tell him about my God. I said, my God made the sun. And they all stopped and looked up at the sun. It was shining right above us. My God made these mountains, I continued, high mountains with snow on the top. They looked up and saw the mountains and the snow. Then I gave them a shocker. They believed that all the people had sprung up from the ground right where they lived. So I said, I want to tell you something you have never heard before. Your grandfather and mine was the same person. Your grandmother and mine was the same woman. I had to explain that and how they thought down the world. I had to begin in the Garden of Eden. One must begin there, you know. Man sinned. They had never thought about sin as such. As I, as a result, man had to die, and grandma had to die, and one of the babies died, and he was such a young fellow. In my country, babies die, beautiful women die, strong men die. Then I told them about the love of God, and now he sent his son. When I looked up, there was the chieftain, and there were two streams running down his cheeks, washing the war paint off of his cheeks. Tears, man, tears. When I got through, the other warriors all looked up at him to hear what he would answer for them. Do you know what he said? He said something that down in our hearts all of us say when we finally see Christ. He said, quote, why, we die here too. Our chief died, our babies die, our women die. We want this Jesus man to come so we won't have to die anymore, unquote. That's about it, isn't it? That's what I want. I want this Jesus man to come, so we won't have to die anymore. The second section today will be part of a treasure that I I have, a radio broadcast from the 1943 time period during the war years. We're going to play about five minutes of that, it starts out with the theme song that he had on all of his broadcasts all those decades Jesus is coming again. Then before his sermon, he would quote from the song Near to the Heart of God, which was also his theme song before he had his sermon.
2: Heaven, Jesus is coming again. Hear up, ye pilgrims, be joyful and safe. Jesus is coming again.
0: From San Francisco, California, we present the program of the Voice of Prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these latter days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord.
2: Coming again, coming again. Jesus is
3: again. Good evening, America, and all listeners everywhere. Our quartet, the King's Heralds, bring as their first song, Amazing
2: Grace. Amazing
3: heaven, we seek thy face in prayer. Bless this broadcast to every
0: listener, and lead us all in thy way. Remember the president,
2: give him more
0: than human wisdom, and bless those in the national service today. Protect them, everyone. Forgive our sins, we pray in Christ's name,
2: and keep us near to the heart of God.
1: Our next section is rather unique it's another treasure i have in my library it's from his 80th birthday in glendale california i have to say personally that my heart has been strangely warm so many times that i've heard him speak and the times i visited with him and i have to say that he saved my life Before we go to the recording of the 80th birthday, which, if you're alive this morning, it'll make you weep at times and then laugh other times. I want to read from some very prominent people who sent messages in at the time of his 88th birthday. The first one is from a president of the United States at the time, dated the White House, Washington, D.C., August 20 of 2019. Excuse me, 1982. Dear Dr. Richards, Nancy and I are pleased to join all those who are wishing you well on this happy time in a life that has been dedicated to giving solace and comfort to the human spirit. My hope is that this birthday celebration shines as a warm and an honorable occasion. God bless you. Yours today and always, Ronald Reagan. The next one is from the Attorney General of the State of California at the time. And it was quite amazing, the spiritual content from this politician. Please accept my congratulations for your years of religious broadcasting. I am privileged to add my voice to to those who have gathered to honor you in recognition of your outstanding ministry. The lives you have touched cannot be counted nor the results of your work be measured. Isn't that amazing? But the success of your outreach is unmistakably clear, and the world is enriched by it. George Dukmachian, Attorney General of the State of California. But I've saved the best to last, I think. This is from Oswald C.J. Hoffman. He was the speaker for the Lutheran Hour for many, many decades. And HMS Richards Sr. had a habit of making friends with people like this, other Protestant leaders. Here's what Dr. Hoffman wrote to Dr. Richards that was read at his birthday celebration Dear Dr. Richards, perhaps the best way to greet you on this day of remembrance is to say that you live in our hearts. We treasure the friendship that you have always extended so generously, and we admire the great work where you have served the Lord Jesus Christ. To put it simply, we thank God for the grace he has given you. For long years of experience were not lost on you. The joy you have brought to many hearts, the promise of life eternal that is yours through faith because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We wish you the joy of the Lord as you recall the magnificent blessings the Lord has showered on you. Cordially yours, Oswald C.J. Hoffman, The Lutheran Hour. Then, in conclusion, the occasion of his 88th birthday celebration, the next voice you will hear is that of Louis Vendon, Introducing his brother, Morris Venden, and Morris Vendon had the, if you will call it, the sermon of this morning. He was known affectionately as the chief by all those that were around him. You know, it's rare in our church, I think, to have evangelistic brothers. My two uncles were in that category. Uh, But Lewis and Morris Vendon are the most famous, I think. So the next voice you hear is Louis Fenden, who introduces his brother, Morris Fenden, who talks about his experience of being with HMS Senior. A young player in Southern
3: California kept talking about radio and going on radio. There were some who were very cool to the idea. Radio advertised cigarettes and alcohol. So you wouldn't want to use radio, radio is a tool of the devil. But he did not uh, think so, he thought he saw other great possibilities. And so to everyone that would listen, he would talk about the idea. But he kept talking and uh, nothing much was happening. And then they went for a camping trip, and I think we're going to hear about that a little later. Harold Young, would you raise your hand, Harold? Oh good, I got you spotted, All right, Harold Young was on that camping trip. And he's going to tell us a little bit about uh, his remembrance of that later. But as a result of that camping trip and uh, some of the straight words that they had with their friend Harold Richards, he got up the next night and talked to his tabernacle audience this way. You all know that we are in the worst depression our country has ever known. There's almost no money anywhere. But there are other things than money, and I believe we can put these things to work for God in a radio preaching service. So from now on, I will be standing at the door when you leave as usual, but my left-hand coat pocket will be the radio pocket. If you believe in radio as a medium to give God's word to the world, you show me by dropping whatever you have to donate to this work into this pocket. Gold watches? I love this one. Gold teeth? (laughs) That would involve some real commitment, you know that? gold teeth. (laughs) Did he get any, Harold, you know? (laughs) He did. (laughs) Gold stick pins, jewelry, money, everything put into that left-hand pocket of mine will be turned into cash to buy radio time. There was a jeweler in town that uh, took it uh, without any commission and sold it, and that first night's radio pocket take totaled $220, according to The source book I read, uh, Gigi, today, Man Alive. (laughs) And that marked the beginning of the Tabernacle of the Air, KGER, Long Beach, and KMPC, Beverly Hills. Now, that radio pocket didn't end that night, as I understand. That radio pocket has been around for a long time. We have a version of it here. Unfortunately, it's not as large as we'd hoped. We pictured it several gunny sack size. But uh, here it is, a somewhat symbolic pocket. You can't... Well, okay, I'd better hold it up, my wife says. All right? That's uh, Elder Richard's left-hand coat pocket. Okay? Our next speaker is Senior Pastor of the Union College Seventh-day Adventist Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. He is known by his books and tapes and by his personal ministry. He... Um, is famous for having been my roommate two years in college. (laughs) However, we did meet before we went to college. I was there caring for him very tenderly and lovingly when they brought him home from the hospital, which answers a question of who's the oldest, so you won't have to worry about that the rest of the evening. (laughs) And uh, we've had a lot of uh, influence on each other. My parents for some years thought that that influence would mean the death of one or both of us. (laughs) They uh, literally wondered if we would live to grow up. But the reason we fought so much was because we really cared. Isn't that right, Maury? I think so. (laughs) I like that explanation better than sibling rivalry or anything like that. Among the influences, in my brother's life and mine as well has been the influence of the Chief and I have been blessed as Maury has told of opportunities, special opportunities he had to know, to talk with and to love Elder Richards and he's going to share something from his heart this evening. Maury? How would you like
0: to be a little boy or a little girl on the campgrounds of an old-fashioned camp meeting in Grand Ledge Michigan you're having fun you're running around the campgrounds having fun one day onto the campgrounds drives a long black limousine it's in the early 40s and this attracts your attention the boys and girls gather around and they understand that uh, it's a radio group that has come to town. Some wealthy woman has given this limousine to them and you're fascinated. You begin to think things like Chicago and Mafia (laughs) and then you understand that inside this long black limousine is a tall preacher with a black suit and a black mustache and little black horn-rimmed glasses and other big men in there and singers. That's your first introduction. And uh, later you hear stories about how they thought of things concerning Chicago and Mafia. One day they were driving along the road going across the United States on one of their camp meeting appointments with big men inside like Elmer Waldie and Ray Turner and they saw a hitchhiker up ahead they said let's have some fun so they pulled their collars up over their necks put on their black shades and stopped the young man was happy to jump in for a ride didn't realize until he got in what had happened (laughs) they started out and no one said a word they looked straight ahead this is the voice of prophecy group. <laughs> the young man uh, began to shake. No word from anyone, straight ahead. Finally, they could take it no longer. And one of them burst out laughing and said to the young man, Relax, we're just a bunch of preachers. <laughs> Well, we heard stories like this, and this kind of thing captivates the imagination of boys and girls. Uh, The scene changes. Imagine yourself uh, in California now, and uh, you're in the high school years of the Seventh-day Adventist educational system. You go to another old-fashioned camp meeting in Santa Cruz. There you listen to a sermon that you'll never forget. It's by this preacher, Jesus my Savior, Jesus my Lord, Jesus my friend, my Savior, Lord, and friend. You sit there, you're a teenager, your heart is strangely warmed, and you begin to realize that uh, from now on, whenever you hear this preacher, you're going to hear things like this. Things like the three circles of God's love. What broke the sacred heart of Jesus? The three I ams of Paul. And all was Jesus. He's a fanatic on Jesus. The years go by again, and you find yourself in college. You're rooming with your brother. <laughs> Upstairs. Our other brothers, two of the sons of this preacher, find out that you're schoolmates and you begin to hear other things. Like the day when uh, one of these boys goes to his dad during his senior year in the academy and says, Dad, I finally decided what I want to be, what I want to do. What is it, son? I want to have my own dance band. And he says, is that right? Yes, I finally decided. Well, if that's what you want. You're sure that's what you want? Yes? All right, son, if you're sure that's what you want. And he went into his study the other side of the garage where he prepared his radio sermons and uh, the son knew what he was doing in there. And he told me later he came out to college to study, to be a minister that fall. And he's sitting beside me here. (laughs) What a lesson in how to relate to teenagers. Roll with the ship. Do more praying and less talking. At college, you uh, join the evangelism class. The class comes to a particular time when uh, they go on a trip into Glendale for an all-day visit to the Voice of Prophecy. And you're with the class. And this preacher talks for eight hours straight. No break, except a little punch. That's all we had time for. And he talks to us about Jesus and about the gospel, And he goes to his knees in his prayer room, and he wants to pray for us. And one of the things he prays is, uh, please, Lord, help them not to peter out into great executives. (laughs) (laughs) During those college years, one day you find yourself traveling east to an international Bible conference in Washington, D.C., And uh, there, there are scholars who are reading scholarly papers for uh, a week. This is in the early 50s. And during those meetings, they ask this preacher to give a devotional talk. He opens his Bible, and he begins to read about Barnabas in Acts, the 11th chapter, verse 24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord." Come on, King James and your men, you can do better than that. But that's the way it says it. Some of us still like King James because he does. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. And you are to remember those words because they're to come again to you when you stand before a group at an 88th birthday celebration. He said there at that devotional talk, I don't want to be remembered as a great preacher. I don't want to be remembered as a great radio speaker. I don't want to be remembered as a great scholar. I would like to be remembered as a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And those stay in your mind, those words. Graduation time comes. And uh, guess who's on the campus? Graduation. A poem written specially for graduates after talking about a world gone wrong and challenging them to do something to help. Now Adam said to Seth his son, when Adam's life was nearly done, I'm the first man that ever was made, and yet a failure I'm afraid. But you are young, and life is thine. You'll have a chance that ne'er was mine. When I at last give up the fight, go in there, make the old thing right. Centuries came, and centuries fled, and Seth called Enos near and said, I have failed to do my father's word and always ever serve the Lord, but you are young and life's before. Take up the flickering torch I bore, when I at last am passed from sight. Go in there, make the old thing right. But Enos, when the years had gone, passed still the selfsame burden on, and his son passed it on to others. These others yet to other others, to son and grandson, on again and on and on to troubled men. The call came still from Eden's night, go in there, make the old thing right. And still it rings through all our years, mid-war and peace and smiles and tears. The call comes down again, again the anguished cry of troubled men, who try their ancient course to run and do their work ere set of sun. But still they call. As falls the night. Go in there, make the old thing right. So, class today, let's rise and shine. The best of all the years are thine. Do now the task, ere set of sun, that others of them might have done. Go where God calls, His word proclaim, for loving service, not for fame. In Christ find courage, hope, and light. Go in there, make the old thing right. The scene changes again. You're out there trying to make the old thing right. You're an intern at Central California Conference. The Voice of Prophecy is scheduled to be at the youth tent where you're leading music Friday night. They don't arrive. You sing every song in the hymn book. (laughs) Finally, you and the youth director run across the campground looking for the Voice of Prophecy. And down in front of the auditorium, they're just driving up. They've come from a long journey from another camp meeting in the East. They didn't know they had a meeting Friday night in the youth tent. The tent is packed with people, some of them friends, guests. You and the youth director go up to them as they get out of the car. You've never seen suits more wrinkled in your life. Look like they've been sleeping in the car for three days. Oh, we're glad you're here. Well, we're glad to be here. They were getting ready to go check in the motel and get some rest for the next day's meetings. Well, uh, you know about the meeting. What meeting? And the youth director pleads with this preacher. We have people waiting. We have a meeting. He reaches inside his pocket, and he pulls out a little Bible this big, and he holds it up to his one good eye, and he says, There ought to be something in here to preach. (laughs) And he turns, and he follows the youth director and the King's Heralds and Orville Iverson, and they go to the youth tent and they march right up on the platform and they introduce the voice of prophecy just like that and the King's Heralds sing and then Elder Iverson says, and now HMS Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker, he stands up and he preaches one of the best sermons you've ever heard, the three I am's of Paul. I am debtor. I am ready. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And your heart is strangely warmed again. The next day, on a quiet moment, you go to him and you say, please, can you tell me, where do you get those kind of sermons, those simple kind that you never forget? He said, those are the hardest kind to get. I never got any of those until I was too old to preach. But sit down, and I'll tell you. And he tells you a long story about Voice of Prophecy in Grand Rapids in the 1940s, in Fall Council, and when the broadcast first went coast to coast. He has time for you, your young preacher. He has time. Several more years go by. It's at Lodi, another camp meeting. You become excited about the theme that Luther shouted from the housetops and there seems to be ebb and flow about that theme righteousness by faith you want to talk to someone who's been around who knows about it you go up on the platform after the meeting 10,000 people there and the crowds are there talking you stand and you wait your turn one man comes up pulls on his coattail says you remember me And he looks down, he says, how could I forget you? I have loved that answer ever since. (laughs) I've used it many times myself. (laughs) The man smiled and put an offering in the Voice of Prophecy pocket. And then it was my turn. And I said, "Uh, Elder Richards, I'd like to talk to you about righteousness by faith. He squinted at me, and he said, you have some new light on the subject? <laughs> in other words, do you have your tape recorder and your mimeograph machine? You're gonna start a new movement? And Bob Seamount comes to your rescue. He says, uh, this is a young preacher he'd like to talk to. you." He says, come down to the motel, four o'clock this afternoon. You go down there, you knock on the door. He says, come in, you go in. He's in his shirt and his shorts. He says, I was just lying here with my Bible charging my batteries. And he gets up and casually puts on his trousers, and he has two hours for you as you try to share what you understand, what you're excited about. And all of a sudden, you feel like you are him, and he is you. And when you finish, you apologize for taking so much time, but your blood is singing in your veins, as he says. Don't worry about it, he said. If that isn't the gospel, what is the gospel? And sometimes it's worth more to talk to a young preacher than anyone else. And you go on your way. Then you find yourself living in Glendale in the same neighborhood, and you become accustomed to a familiar scene. Tall preacher walking down the street to work, reading, reading, always reading. He feels for the curb when he gets there. Makes it across the street, still reading, feels for the next curb, goes on, always reading. And one day you have a chance to talk to him in his study out behind the house. And you're talking about the Christian ministry, and he says, you know what our problem is in the Christian ministry, he said, that... uh, You know, we we don't even spend four hours a day alone with God and in prayer. Not even four hours a day. And you say, I beg your pardon. (laughs) Yes, he said, that's our problem. And you say, well, yeah, that's too bad, isn't it? And then someone shows you the bush, the clump of bushes up behind the house, where at night, many times, he goes and looks out over the city of Los Angeles and praise for Los Angeles for he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord later you have a chance to go on a trip his last trip overseas with Gigi and Walt and Mrs. Richards and you ride the bus and you go from here to there And you see how she operates. You know who took care of him? She did. She still is. And you see how close to his heart are the scenes of Jesus, of Jesus. And you also imbibe of his good humor. Then you find yourself walking down the streets in Damascus of the street called Straight, and the crowds are big. But as you walk along, suddenly there's a scream from one of your fellow tourist members, and you feel a hand in your pocket, and you grab for the hand, and you look around, and guess who? It's the preacher pickpocketing you. And you never expected to be pickpocketed by this preacher on the street called Straight. But you'll never forget that moment, either. And then, uh, one day, they come to Pacific Union College, where you are, and uh, they're having a special program that involves this preacher. And during the uh, Sabbath school, before the program, someone wants to interview him. So they begin the interview, and they ask a few questions. And then they say, would you please tell us what is the adventist message? And his reply is immediate. Jesus only. But wait a minute. You've heard him talk about prophecy and history and Armageddon and the seven seals. What do you mean Jesus only? And you begin to remember a definition for a fanatic that you've heard, that you like, that fits. A fanatic is one for whom whatever subject he begins with, you know what he's going to end on. And gradually it begins to come in focus that's what this preacher is wherever he starts you always know where he's going to end Jesus only for he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord of course he liked poems one about mother How the changing years have found me, far away from thoughts of home. Now no mother bends above me when the time for sleep has come. But it brings my poor heart comfort, and it gives me peace within, just to think that I'm little, and my mother tucks me in. As I kneel there with my brother by the bed above the stairs, and I hear my gentle mother saying, boys, remember prayers. Then she comes and kneels beside us, Father, keep them from all sin. Oh, her kiss is tender, gentle, when my mother tucks me in. When at last the evening finds me, and the day of life is done, all the things of earth that bind me shall be broken one by one. Then, O Lord, be thou my comfort, calm my soul, thy peace to win. Let me fall asleep as gently as when mother tucked me in. And there's one other poem that I'd like to conclude with. It was written by a man named Anonymous. He wrote a lot of poems. He even wrote some music. And it's a poem that I would like to dedicate to uh, Harold and Kenny and Jan and Gigi. It's an old-fashioned poem. I often think of days gone by when we were lass and lad of how I always loved to be a tagging round with Dad. Dad taught me by example things that time and space can't sever and many a happy time we've had, Dad and me, together. I remember once was long ago, while walking down the lane, the birds were singing here and there, each one his own refrain. Dad taught me that old adage about the truth, birds of a feather. And I kept thinking as we went, yes, Dad and me, together. The years passed by and changes came. A family of my own. But many a time we went again to that old country home. Dad's steps were slow and shorter now. But still it seemed he'd rather. And soon we'd be a walking round. Dad and me, together. Dad's still here. He hasn't left us, lonely sad at heart. They've often said the time might come. Someday we'd have to part. But if I, like Dad, can sail life's sea, through rough and stormy weather, there'll come a time we'll always be, Dad and me, together. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord.
1: If any of you would like copies of the full 1943 radio broadcast or the birthday, I'll be happy to make copies for you on a CD if you just ask me. Our closing song is Lift Up the Trumpet, Jesus is Coming Again. 213, Jesus is Coming Again.
4: We all stand. Lift up the trumpet and loud to the ring, Jesus is coming
1: Father in heaven, we're thankful to have been here this morning. Help us always to realize we stand on the shoulders of those that have gone before. Help us, Lord, each one, to keep the flame burning. Help us to realize we're just strangers passing through this world on our way to the heavenly kingdom. May that day come soon, we pray. In Jesus' name.